Hello and welcome to the bookshelf, the Boxing Day Bookshelf Bonanza. Yes, the Writer's Bookshelf podcast brought to you by me, David Driver, on Boxing Day. Yes, if you are listening, if you've downloaded this, um, a new episode goes up every Tuesday. So if you are now listening to this when it's just been uploaded to the podcast site, I'm wishing you all a Merry Christmas. I hope you are enjoying you are relaxing and enjoying your Boxing Day. Brilliant stuff indeed. I'm in the studio and I do have a little bit of a tickly cough, so I must apologise. I have made a few little silly comments, as usual, regarding coughs. You never seem to have them until you've got to do some portrait open mic or you're talking on a radio show or a podcast or you've got to do some public speaking. Isn't that crazy? Well, first and foremost, wishing each and every one of you a merry, merry Christmas and all the best, all the best for the new year, all the best for 2024. Goodness me, what is what, what's in store for the new year? I'll probably talk a little bit more about that later in the show. Sadly, and I do mean sadly, we don't seem to get the the white winters in the UK so there may well be a, a splattering a sprinkling of snow if you are listening up in uh, up in Scotland or probably some more remote remote parts of the UK but I have to say Yorkshire good old Yorkshire and Sills in, in particular it's wet and windy goodness me so listeners in the UK England Scotland Ireland and Wales I think it's fair to say it's windy and wet. And for all those lovely people that um, are tuned in or downloading in Virginia and Maryland, you may have some snow. I don't know. It's it's probably afternoon, I think, if you're listening to this. And, um, <coughs> goodness, the, co- the cough is back. So I do hope you, you, have, you are still enjoying. There's a long way to go, all the festive... All the festive delights. We've had Christmas Eve, or you've had Christmas Eve. We all, we've all, um, we've all enjoyed it. Presents under the tree. Have you heard Santa outside and the lights on the tree? Lights outside. Enjoying a glass of wine or a glass of beer. Kids maybe with some crisps or, or treats, something like that. And watching your favourite films. And then you get up on Christmas morning, open the presents. Hooray! Family and loved ones there. Turkey, goodness me, the turkey and Brussels sprouts. Come on, have, have you eaten all your Brussels sprouts? You've got the roast potatoes. You might even have had some nice soup. We tend to have some lovely mushroom soup with lovely heavily buttered crusty bread. You've got the famous, the brilliant Christmas pudding. Goodness me, you must have had some Christmas pudding. It's all good, good stuff. The whole, the whole, um, the whole caboose, really. And yes, you're quite rightly so. Some people will have gone to church and it's obviously a religious festival. <coughs> Goodness me, is, it, is his cough going to go away? Um, so Christmas means many, many things to people, each and every one of you. And I think the main thing is, are you, is spread some love and joy in the world are you happy have you got family and friends round have you been to visit people have you made people's lives happy um and just just made people feel welcome and i fully understand you know it can get a little a little bit um commercial but it's what you make it i think christmas is is what you make it and for me now it's all about family get your family there enjoy We've had a fantastic Christmas. Haven't cooked this year, no. The good Mrs. Driver hasn't had to cook. We've gone over. We all went over to Todmorden to uh, see our uh, eldest eldest daughter and son-in-law and the beautiful Gabe, Gabriel. Brilliant, beautiful, fantastic um, grandson. And he's three. He's three years old. He was three in October. So just getting to that um that very interesting age, or what is that there now? Not getting there. Um, very talkative, very active, and interested, and just a real bundle of fun and joy. And it just brings Christmas round again um, to uh, to, you know that magical sort of children's Christmas. Goodness me, I can't believe it's uh, it's it's nearly well. It's the Christmas time of it's Christmas twenty twenty three. All the festive seasons, and I normally. 
for my radio days we're playing all the tunes but never mind it's been a brilliant year so to each and every one of you thank you for in each and every way how you've supported if you come to the open mic um, many creative outlets if if you come to the open mic thank you things are going to continue in 2024 um everyone at the literacy national literacy trust um everyone at Silsden community productions and everyone at keithley playhouse um just trying to think of everything else i've been involved with a massive thank you to anyone who's who's been on the show or bought any of my books or just sort of supported me all the schools um, and school kids out there have sort of put up with me waffling on and making you laugh and having a good day um and also a big thank you i can't remember everyone um but i will give a massive thank you to the ladies the gorgeous ladies of bainbridge wi the women's institute absolutely brilliant i was recently i joined them for uh, such an honor um uh, earlier on this year i was invited as as a guest speaker to talk to the ladies of bainbridge about my poetry my writing and stuff like that and i went i went back to to uh, we, we put a podcast out there which is i'm sure most a lot of you have listened to and then alison alison jones sent me a lovely email saying david um i know it's quite short notice uh, notice I had about a week's notice. Would you join us at the tenants in uh, ten, uh, the um, a place at Laban? A beautiful place indeed for a Christmas dinner. I said, yes, I would. And I have to say, it was truly magnificent. Um, you know, about 30-odd going on 40 people in the room. <coughs> yes, the only man there. Yeah, and um, we had a, had a fantastic meal. Secret Santa, people that said a few words and i was part of the pantomime we've recorded the pantomime more of that to come um over, over the next few weeks and i also said a few words and thanked them and, and shared a little bit of my work so it's brilliant stuff and that's one of the standout um it is one of the standout things or standout events of 2023 for me to, to obviously be a little bit nervous to go and, and originally speak to all these ladies and present myself to them and a wonderful friendship now has um, a spat. I'm now an honorary member of of the of Bainbridge WI. Um, and n- next year, obviously 2024, spring, I've set them a task. I'll be writing some uh, poetry and short stories the, at the end of March, April. Another visit for uh, for the theme of spring. So hopefully that'll be uh, that'll be coming your way. So. Thank you to to the ladies of Bainbridge, um, WI. I'd also like to thank everyone that supported me in uh, in the poets' pasture. Brilliant stuff. I've also been involved in in the National Literacy Trust. That's been such an adventure. Hopefully that might um, continue into twenty twenty four. And you know to work alongside um, Simon Armitage and a whole bunch of fantastic poets. Be involved with the BBC and also the uh, Tracy Brabin, the Mayor of Yorkshire. It's been a brilliant, brilliant, um, brilliant uh, year. The Rotary Club, it, it's been a good one. It's been an absolute good one. So what I want to do is, and whilst I, I'm just turning to the side, you can tell, whilst I am continue to waffle on, um, if you want to find out, I say this every time, it could be the first podcast you are listening to, if you want to be part of the show, if you think you've got something to... Um, contribute to the podcast if you're a writer a poet just weaving your words of magic then get in touch get to my website go on my website which is david driver author or get yourself on facebook it's all david driver author believe it or not there's a few more davids out there david drivers so just connect <clears throat> excuse me just connect with me and uh, and we'll take it from there um you'll feel free to have a look and and see what you think and if you want me to come along to, um, if you want to come along to your workplace, if you work in a school, college, any place of education, if you think my sort of talks, or if you think any of, of the any of the creative things I do will inspire youngsters, or indeed inspire adults, anything, run a poetry workshop, a writing workshop, anything sort of creative, get in touch. 
or get yourself on the show and share some of your work. What I'm going to do on on this show, I've just sort of come into the studio and I've been looking through some things that mean things. Um, I'm going to share some work from, from various books that I've bought this year. But one in particular, um, which which I which I love every year, is is a book called Krampus, the Krampus the Yule Lord, by um, <clears throat> by Brom B R O M. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, so if you haven't read it, I know if other people have asked me about this over the years, and I do say things um, about it. It goes on to say that Brom is that rare um, is that rare breed. A person who is skilled in more than one area of artistic expression, he is hoping that he will continue to share his dark and often beautiful dreams with us for many years to come. And that's Christopher Paolini, the New York Times. Um, Mike Mignola says, terrific, a wild ride. I'm not sure how many guys could have really pulled it off, but Brom sure has. I loved it. It hooked me and I couldn't put it down. Plus, the illustrations are amazing. Obviously, I can't uh, share the illustrations with you. Um, this illustrated novel, this, this illustrated horror novel by acclaimed gothic fantasy artist, illustrator and novelist Brom um, is perfect for anyone who disdains a cosy sentimental holiday story. That's from the Library Journal. I have read this book um before i'll um i'll tell you it's it's a it's a fantastic book it's basically the santa claus in it but not as you know him um and obviously krampus the yule lord it's it really is a fantastic read and it, i'll give you the synopsis it says one christmas eve in a small hollow in boone county west virginia struggling songwriter jesse walker witnesses a strange spectacle seven devilishly devilish figures chasing a man in a red suit toward a sleigh and eight reindeer when the reindeer leaps skyward taking the sleigh devilmen and santa into the clouds screams follow moments later a large sack plummets back to earth a magical sack that thrusts the down on his luck singer into the clutches of the terrifying Yule Lord Krampus. But the lines between good and evil become blurred, as Jesse's new master reveals many dark secrets about the cherry-cheeked Santa Claus, including how half a, half a millennium ago the jolly old saint imprisoned Krampus and usurped his magic. Now Santa's time is running short, for the Yule Lord is determined to have his retribution and reclaim Yule Tide. If Jesse can survive this ancient feud, he might have the chance to redeem himself in his family's eyes, to save his own broken dreams, and to help bring and to help bring the magic of Yule to the impoverished forward of Boone County. It really is a fantastic read. I can't really um, share anything from the book. You can hear me flicking through the pages. I've had a copy. As I've already said, it's a fantastic read. Pure magic, pure dark fantasy and indulgence. I'm sure people who like the gothic scene or a little bit of a dark side, a little bit something, a little bit alternative, will absolutely love it. And yes, the, the artwork is absolutely it's second to none it's second to none <clears throat> okay what on the other end of the scale mr spike milligan man of letters the godfather of alternative comedy it's telling us i picked this one up <clears throat> penguin published this it is an older book um <clears throat> and i'm sure some of you may well have read it <coughs> already Spike Milligan, the late great. No one likes Spike Milligan anymore out there. Um, it's just a series of letters, and I picked this up in Skipton, North Yorkshire, and in in one of the charity shops. I think it was the one at the top on the left. It's um, it's superb. I just love Spike Milligan, and to give you an example, 
1974, 8th of October. Letter from Spike. Dear Bill, I am sending you another photograph. The one you keep publishing makes me feel I am suffering from a severed head. Love, light and peace. Spike Milligan. Um, on the back, it says, Here are the funniest, rudest and most revealing letters, most of which have never been seen before. From one of the greatest comics of the 20th century to some of its most famous politicians, actors, celebrities and rock stars, as well as a host of unlikely individuals on some surprising subjects. Um, it's brilliant. Brilliant indeed. It says Milligan's Xenius shines through. That's from the Daily Telegraph. Um, I'm just, I haven't marked this up. There are some letters which I do like. I'll try um, and just share one with you. Um, <clears throat> bear with me. Bear, bear with me, he says. There is, there is one. Um, do you know, there's a really, I should have really sorted it out anyway. It's, um, <clears throat> right, is that one? Let's have a look. Let's have a look here. Right. <clears throat> it says, this is to um, Frank Muir and Dennis Norden. It says, Dear Frank and Dennis, this is the 20th of April, 1959. Dear Frank and Dennis, I had fancied myself at one time as a comedy writer, but the time of writing no one else in the world does except a firm in Australia, where I am going this summer. I should like to do some television shows for the BBC. I have absolutely nowhere, I have got absolutely nowhere with the top brass who have got the illusion that I am difficult. A word that is always dispensed when people don't understand what you are trying to do. I, did, I had intended to write to Eric Masovich, but I don't speak Russian. The joke is a reference to the balakika, of course. What does one have to do to get a TV half hour in which one is allowed to produce the comedy and the camera angles so that the public might get the best effect? This is, in effect, my swan song as far as I'm trying to get a show on BBC TV. And what happens as a result of this letter depends whether I ever work for them again. I am writing to you because you are writers and might understand how important it is to myself not to let some producer cock up my endeavours which you know is so easily done. Anyhow, write and let me know. I sail on the 24th of this month. Sincerely, Spike Milligan. Okay, dear Spike, there's a reply there. It says, this is just to underline our telephone conversation following your letter. By the time you get back from Australia, we should be securely enough entrenched in this BBC appointment to be able to back up any assurances we make. All we can say now is that we would welcome the opportunity of helping you get some of your weird and wonderful ideas on BBC TV. Meantime, have a good skive in, the, in Australia and come back refreshed in mind and pockets. And it says, yes, he replies again, dear, um, yes, it, it, it's good stuff. It is, it is, it is good stuff. So I would say to you, take yourself a little bit of Spike Milligan. I'll tell you what I did do early in the year. I think this might have been in April by the Spike Milligan, I think could have been a, um, I think Spike Milligan was like a, it could have been a, a Saturday or a Friday, you know, when you sort of go shopping, but you don't go shopping. You're just sort of walking around a little bit aimlessly as, as a writer and you think to yourself, I've got this to do, I've got that to do, I should really go home and maybe get some jobs done or all the things on your mind. But you might wonder, and for me, it could be walking around Silsden, it could be Leeds, it could be... Um, Nairsborough, Ilkley, Skipton, and you just sort of have a coffee and walk around with a notebook and you start writing and then you don't really, you might you might write a lot of sort of key words down and mess about. I'm sure 
all you writers will know what I'm talking about. And you go into shops and buy things like Spike Milligan. This was a uh, an inspiration when I thought to myself, David, you should read more poetry. And I don't mean poetry that the current people are writing in and around um, it, the poets on the scene now. Um, the complete works of Walt Whitman. I, um, I've been on various sites over the years and obviously I've heard, well, most of us have heard of Walt Whitman. Um, and I, I was a guy a number of years ago. I, um, I sometimes write sort of longer pieces. I think most of the things I write now, or a lot of the things I write now, can be rhyming and comedic and a satirical look at life. Sometimes they're not. Um, and I used to write longer, or I still do, um, I could write longer pieces, a bit more in-depth about nature or fantasy or sort of epic things if you like and a guy from America once said likened to Walt Whitman and it's always stuck in my mind so I um, I bought the complete poems of Walt Whitman it's a it's quite a thick book very long book um, we're looking at over 500 pages you know going on we're going about 550 pages and I'm sure people know what I'm talking about when you just say you dip in and out you know um, it goes on to say Walt Whitman's Walt Whitman's verse gave the poetry of America a distinctive national voice, reflecting the unique vitality of the new nation, the vastness of the land, and the emergence of a something troubled consciousness, communicated in language and idiom, regarded by regarded by many at the time as shocking. Whitman's poems are organic and free-flowing. They fit into no previously defined genre and skillfully combined autobiographical, sociological and religious themes with lyrical sensuality. Um, his verse is a fitting celebration of the new breed of America, of American um, and includes Song of Myself, Crossing, crossing Brooklyn Ferry, the celebratory passage to India and his fine elegy for the assassination of President Lincoln when lilacs last in dooryard bloomed. So I would I would say get yourself the uh, get yourself the complete works of Mr. Walt Whitman, and I don't think you will be um, I don't think you'll be. Um, I don't think you'll be you'll be disappointed. I've just opened it up randomly. We've got pioneers or pioneers. Just a random, just a random page opener. One hundred and seventy-three. That could be a winning number. You never know. Um, <clears throat> I'll read you a little bit. Come, my, come, my tan-faced children. F follow well in order. Get your weapons ready. Have you your pistols? Here, you, your sharp-edged axes. Pioneers, oh pioneers, for we cannot tarry here. We must march, my darlings, we must bear the brunt of danger. We, the youthful sinewy races, all the rest on us depend. Pioneers, oh pioneers, oh you youths, western youths, so impatient, full of action, full of men of manly pride and friendship, Plain, I see you, Western youths. Are you tramping with the foremost? Pioneers, oh pioneers. Here, the elder races halted. Do they droop and end their lesson? Wearied over there beyond the seas, we take up the task eternal and the burden and the lesson. Pioneers, Oh, pioneers. So I do hope you have um, enjoyed that one. Okay, I will share this one. This is one of my, one of my best friends, on, if, not my, if not the best friend I have on the, uh, on the poetry scene. We've been friends for many years, and this young lady has gone from strength to strength, and boy, oh boy, has she. She's recently been on, on the podcast hailing from Bradford, and she's done many, many brilliant things over the years, and in particular, this year, 
Um, I am, of course, talking about Sharina Lee Sate. What a voice for poetry. What a voice for women. And just brilliant what she's done with spreading the word in schools all over West Yorkshire and beyond. She's been to Liverpool, London, Birmingham. And check out some of her work. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, and obviously part of the National Literacy um, <coughs> Literacy uh, Trust. It's brilliant, brilliant stuff. <coughs> I will, I will share um, anxiety. Yeah, I've just opened this on a random page, page seventy. In fact, one seven three and seventy. Goodness me, all the sevens. And this is, I do hope I do it justice. It's, um, it's not my poem. It's Sharina's. So a merry Christmas to you and a happy New Year if you're listening to the podcast. <coughs> anxiety has been with me for as long as I can remember like burning ember that is still glowing after the fire has been extinguished. Just one spark and it's rekindled and the damage becomes simple. My hands generate a tsunami of torrential rain from the sweat dripping off my fingertips. And that's just the start of when anxiety hits. My heart tightens like someone is gripping it in their hands. And it is getting tighter, and I feel that I have zero chance at getting through this circumstance that feels like my heart is being crushed by your hands and broken into pieces. The beating of it increases at lightning speed, and at this stage I'm finding it difficult to breathe. My hands are shaking, and I'm weak at the knees, and I'm focusing on just making sure that I can breathe. Because when this happens, all I want to do is collapse into a sea of darkness and hide away from the world, be invisible, out, out of sight. For in the darkness, I've always found a way to reach the light. Yet in the light, I always felt so vulnerable. Like standing naked in a crowd of people. That fear. That uncomfortable silence. And I hold the space. Seeking guidance. From the thoughts that are telling me. To just breathe. This moment will pass and leave. But I have to proceed. With what I am doing. I have to overcome that fear. Plant my seeds in that fear. So every root can be born. From that fear. Risen from that fear, blossom from that fear. Even if my anxiety doesn't completely disappear, I will keep fighting through fear, through each heart's palpitation, through every complication. I will break free from the chains that keep haunting me. I will not allow anxiety to keep crippling me back into my comfort zone thank you for that one <clears throat> thank you for that one Sharina excellent stuff <coughs> I tell you what I have done I've got, I've purchased a John Cooper Clark 10 years in an open necked shirt the classic Mr or Dr John um, the classic, you know, the one and only Mr John Cooper Clark who needs no introduction um, it's, I'm going to open this, this is a page 34, I mean, I, you, everyone knows Mr. John Cooper Clark, if you want to get into a little bit of poetry, then read a bit of um, John Cooper, Dr. Clark, indeed, it's hilarious, it's fantastic, he is, without doubt, the best, this one goes by the title of I Was a Teenage Werewolf, or Was I? I can't begin to do it justice, you'll have to bear with me. <clears throat> I scream all the way to the chair and in the face of tanks. I take the stairway to the stairs and I scream, thanks. Fake snakes and mock crocs and killers cut my throat. And that's me in the call box, stepping out of my court. I found a reason for living. Every day I die. I was a teenage werewolf. Or was I? Fall of trains, torture dames, I keep 
I like to keep in the swim. I get slain on Memorex Lane where the people say, oh, it's him. Easy money, play hard to get. These love toys to amuse the non-doctor's penthouse pets who drink champagne from shoes, walk in rooms and out of rooms. That's my cup of tea. I see the world. I didn't like it. What's in it for me? Invisible girls go haywire. I'll be their go-go guy. I was a teenage werewolf. Or was I? Murder victims talk to me. Detectives come and go. Their dangling receivers tell me all I want to know. We own live once or do we? Take advice from Mickey Spillane, my hood Nazi blood brother. Never give the right name. Those dead delicious nudes, they hang around the neck of a moving raincoat by a sliding door of a disco tech where boys are boys and girls are toys not programmed to reply. I was a teenage werewolf, or was I? Brilliant stuff indeed. <clears throat> let's, um, <coughs> let's go for the classic. Got to be Mr John Cooper Clark, I want to be yours. Let me be your vacuum cleaner, breathing in your dust. Let me be your Ford Contine... Ford, oh, I'm going to start that one again. Let me be your vacuum cleaner, breathing in your dust. Let me be your Ford Cortina. I will never rust. I'd like... If you like your coffee hot, let me be your coffee pot. You call the shots. I want to be yours. Let me be your raincoat for those frequent rainy days. Let me be your dreamboat when you want to sail away. Let me be your teddy bear. Don't take take me with you anywhere. I don't care. I want to be yours. Let me be your electric meter. I will not run out. Let me be your electric heater. You'll get cold without. Let me be your setting lotion. Hold your hair with deep devotion. Deep as deep Atlantic Ocean. That's how deep is my emotion. Deep, deep, deep. Deep, 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 deep. I want to be hers. I, w I don't want to be hers. I want to be yours. Absolutely brilliant stuff from the one and only Mr. John Cooper Clark. I'll tell you what we can do. We'll finish with a tale from the weird, wonderful, unique and unusual lives of everyday people. Um, let's have a look here. I'm just going to see how long um, this one goes on for. Um, just bear with me. Just bear with me. Um, let's have a look. I'm just, I'm just flicking through them because some of them are a little bit longer. <clears throat> okay, let, let's go. Let's go for it. This is called "Homeless People, Missing People." Bucky's Poundland, Empty Church. With a steeple. Goodness me, that's a hell of a title. Um, see what you think. Human beings. Human beings are very strange creatures indeed. They are born, grow up, have the children, have grandchildren, and then die. But the strangest aspect about them is the things they get up to in order to make themselves feel better. Charities and churches are probably two of the best examples of daily cycles, which relax and give a sense of well-being to the humans. The daily monotony of collecting unwanted coinage lazily lurking inside deep pockets, whilst gold and platinum plastic cards take pride of place in designer wallets, continues through the night as gimmick Plastic pots sit on the counters of takeaways across the UK. Celebrities, millionaire business people and entrepreneurs all self-indulge when they launch their new project which will put an end to poverty and make us all equal. Badges, stickers, flyers and pamphlets explaining ways to pay flood the cities from Scotland to Cornwall. The middle classes abandon their semis in the suburbs 
in order to hand out leaflets to the homeless, telling of the Lord. There's always room in his, or in his house, they say. There's never an empty church or stomach, they joyously recite. So come and eat with us, come and pray, come and sing to the Almighty. Let your voice be heard. Let your voice be heard. I wish my voice had been heard. But you wouldn't listen. You wouldn't listen in a church. You greeted with your false smiles, talked among yourselves, believed you were doing good as you buttered the 17 pence a loaf bread and served up a chipped bowl filled with soup from a massive can bought from the second division supermarket. The wooden seats in church were cold and extremely hard on my ass, just like the concrete slabs I had to sit on. But if the sun shone, I could hold my hand up to the stained glass and watch it change as I moved it from side to side, whilst gathering got overexcited about dancing wherever you may be. I didn't feel like dancing, whether it was here or there or out on the street or in a box or in a park, and I was certainly never heard. You see, I was one of the homeless. I lived the everyday cycle of the homeless, but I looked on the bright side of life at least. I wasn't one of the missing. They have the worst of all life cycles. They end up with their faces on lamp posts and telegraph poles. They end up with the words missing person spread under their mugshot along with a special number to call. Some get a little airing on TV and then there's always another who posts something on Facebook or social media about them. There are plenty of us homeless people in every city or town up and down the country. How do we arrive? Who knows? We just are. A cardboard box, a doorway, a park bench for a bed, odd-sized shoes or boots, and an oversized army coat to keep you warm. Everyday people go about their everyday lives, carrying out their everyday routines. Young, old, black, white, it doesn't matter. Nattering away on their expensive mobile phones, slurping coffees from brand-name cups, costing more than a jar itself. Oh, they have no change to spare. A few may have a penny, two pence or five p. Some may be daring and throwing a ten or twenty pence. A well-dressed man who works out at the gym might throw in a whole fifty pence to impress his new doll-like girlfriend. But few, if any, throw in the gold nugget. The big one, the pound coin. This is special to the human beings. This is special to the human beings' daily routine as it brings comfort and security. The obvious notes are tucked away safely, of course, along with the plastic. But when it comes to change, there's a pecking order. You can add your meaningless, worthless coins to a pound coin and buy something nice or hop onto public transport and again make up the difference of fare to travel a short distance to a friend's flat in the city. But the real magic of the pound coin is the fact that you can walk into Poundland and buy things for, yes, a pound. You're not breaking into a note or spending on the plastic. You can buy food, drinks, boots, a car and garden gadgets, or just something that you thought you'd never be able to buy for a pound. I normally receive the whole pound coin at least twice a month. Normally, from human beings who have that look which said, don't spend it all at once, or I've given you quite a lot of money and think you owe me now. Oh, what a lovely treat. And for this, I can indulge in the wonderful cycle of the homeless. I too could purchase something from Poundland. I normally bought a big bar, a big jar of coffee. The young girl in the second in the record store let me have endless hot water so I could fill my cup up all day. 
I made my cup from one of those gimmick plastic collection pots that used to sit on the counter in the local Indian takeaway, but someone nicked it, stole the money, and left the pot in the road. I managed to chop off its head and seal off the bottom with a bit of super glue I found. On Wednesdays, I didn't get any hot water because it was the girl in the second. It was a girl in the record shop's day off, and the guy in the bookies didn't like me. He thought I'd put off his customers. Well, that's a joke coming from a man that would take money from anyone ranging from a solicitor to a debt-ridden potential suicide. All those lovely people marching in with bravado and storming out with the weight of the world on their shoulders when they'd lost. Eyes quickly glanced and looked away as the ticket was discarded into the gutter. They didn't engage with words, not with me, but inside they said, Yes, yet what do you want? Money, no doubt. No chance, mate. Do you know how much I've just lost on that dead cert? Got to get back to the wife and kids. Anyway, Christmas is coming up. Do you know how much Christmas costs? Christmas time. How much does it cost? I knew the cost of Christmas, along with the rest of the homeless people. Christmas cost lives. It was the worst time of year within our cycle. It was when the cold came a-calling and claiming. You tended to huddle up somewhere as warm as you could get and hold out. We tended to go into hibernation, if you like, and come out in the spring. A quick head count could soon soon told us who'd made it or not. Christmas was also when the middle classes were at their most active, dishing out their good books and words of he died for me and you or he suffered for me and you. Well, I suffered on a daily basis. Anyway, I received two good books, one particular year, and they both served me well. One filled the holes in my shoe when I divided it down the middle and the other assisted with a more personal function. I had to smile as I thought of Moses parting the sea just as I parted the cheeks of my ass and quickly turned one out into a carrier bag. The pages made my very own anrex, but the only dog in the scene was a large was a large oily German shepherd whose owner looked like Freddy Krueger's love child. He muttered something and walked off with his carrier bag of wine. Christmas called once more to end another year for the homeless. And when the fireworks started and the celebrations erupted, another new cycle began. But it was my last year in the homeless cycle. I went out in style, though, and with a little bang of my own. They came blowing towards me, like two angels, some might say, and I laughed insanely as I snatched them up from the frosty tarmac. Two £50 notes. Now the chances of this happening were a million to one, even for a non-homeless person. I guess they came for one of those super rich cool people who'd been in the city all night celebrating. They hadn't a clue what they were doing, what they were spending or what they were spending it on. But I guess it was just their cycle to spend endlessly the money they hadn't earned, only been given by their parents. I enjoyed three cheeseburgers from McDonald's, bought a bottle of Merlot from Tesco's and enjoyed it along with a cigar from the tobacconist on the corner. I also bought a small box of fireworks and let them off in the park. Now you probably think you've guessed the end to my homeless cycle. You're thinking he jumped into the boating lake or fell into the river. He got stabbed or was run over by a drunk driver. It's obvious. He overdosed on drugs. Surely every homeless person takes drugs or knows a druggie. The poor man just couldn't take any more and he gave the rest of his cash to a horrible bloke outside a pub. Took himself away with his Christmas candy 
and did the deed in a lonely place. Only he knew. No, you're all wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. (coughs) Sorry. You see, I'm still alive. I'm just not a human anymore. Humans have faith, belief, good books, stories of miracles at Christmas and gods. And gods really do exist. I have seen them and they have performed miracles. He came to me on the very edge of the park where no one else could see and at first I thought it must be the wine. I watched his shadow dance across the sky. Clouds slowly parted, leaving a full moon to illuminate his magnificent frame. Wings beat effortlessly, bringing him inches above the ground. His eyes locked with mine. Intelligence, kindness and anger burnt within them. His face was that of an eagle, a falcon, a hawk. All the mighty birds of prey lived within him. As his, as his feet touched the ground, his face became more human in appearance and powerful talons took the form of strong hands. These hands reached out and gently touched my face as he stood in front of me. His voice was commanding but loving. This will be your last night of pain, he said. When the sun rises, a new cycle of life will begin and you will will neither beg nor go hungry no more. Trembling, I could not reply, but all the suffering and pain left my body and I I began to cry. He placed a finger upon my lips and smiled. This god of the creatures of flight turned his head to the left as he heard a noise from the woods in the distance to which my ears had not registered. A lithe, beautiful, vulpine creature appeared between two of the oaks. Intoxicating green eyes stared at both of us and it was plain to see that my god knew exactly who this guest was. He smiled and I watched as the newcomer as the newcomer stood on its back legs and grew in height. A female form was taken. She was beautiful, mesmerising, perfect, able to hypnotise any mortal man and bend him to do her will. Great power, along with forgiveness, flowed through her. Come, she said. We have work to do. He cast me one last glance and then took flight. Once more he was a god and she ran beneath him through the woods, a goddess herself. As the dawn broke, I began a new cycle. Taking flight, I flew over the park and wood, over the trees and buildings below. Looking down, I could see people scurrying about. Cars were driven here and there, and the world certainly looked a different place. I came to rest with the others and was instantly accepted. People, both young and old, pointed at me and smiled. Food was thrown and I ate until my belly was full. At night, we all huddled together, safe and warm, high up on the rooftops. It's exactly a year ago today since I stopped my daily routine as a homeless person and I have no complaints at all. I'm more than well fed every day, warm and safe at night and I'm also a father of four. Humans actually want to sit and watch me. They actually pay over £2 for a bag of food and feed me. I become a bit of a celebrity and my picture is all over the social media sites. You see, twice a day, I I do a little dance along the wall by the fountains. The humans love it. They can't get enough of it.
I've also made some new friends from France and been there twice myself. My best friend, though, is a falcon who often visits and tells me some really wild stories. He's been around for centuries and was one of the first to start a new cycle of life when our God visited him. Those were the glory days, he often tells me, when you became a king yourself. But just as the cycle of time never ends, the human population continues to grow. Towns and cities become more, and therefore the number of homeless people multiplies. I suppose, as this happens, even the gods and goddesses have to offer a package deal. The gang gets together once a month. We meet at a secret location. I suppose humans would think it very strange if they saw a falcon, two barn owls, a starling, three woodpeckers, a magpie and me all chatting away till the early hours, talking about our old daily routines as homeless humans. We laugh at the fact that we still have the human voice. Some of the egg-born don't mix with the God-made. We laugh at that too, as we consider it a human quality. But our kind will live for a thousand years, or until our gods or goddesses decide otherwise. Things get even weirder every second month on the third Saturday. That's when we meet up with the vulpines and the arachnids. We were all once human. We were all once homeless. And we have all begun a new cycle of life. Thanks to the gods and goddesses that do exist. Well, thank you for listening to that. I do hope you've enjoyed my uh, that short story that was written by myself. I do hope you've enjoyed the little snippets of poetry I have shared with you and a few little short book reviews. Once again, enjoy the rest of the Christmas celebrations. All the best for the new year. Wishing you all the best for 2024. Take care, sending you all love. And, of course, I'll be speaking to you on the next podcast. Take care and bye for now.